When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Kathy with a C. And I'm Kathy with a K. And this is season two of Killer Destinations. Today's destination is Isla Vista, California. Isla Vista is a charming community located in Santa Barbara County. The Spanish came to the area in the 18th century to build missions and evangelize to the local Native Americans. The area became a small adobe village, then a lawless gold rush town. Isla Vista began to truly flourish after oil was discovered in 1928. During World War II, a U.S. Marine Corps air station was located on Goleta Point, right next to Isla Vista along the Pacific Ocean. After the war, the air station land was used to create the University of California, Santa Barbara, the third oldest undergraduate campus in the University of California college system. Also located nearby is the very popular Santa Barbara City College. Being situated on the highly desirable Santa Barbara coastline, the area has some of the highest housing prices in the United States. As a result, the student population lives in very densely packed student housing. With sunny skies, sandy beaches, and plenty of nightlife, Isla Vista is the perfect college town. But in 2014, the sunny skies were eclipsed by the dark tragedy that unfolded in a shocking torrent of hate. Just a quick reminder, March 3rd through 5th, we're going to be in Chattanooga for the Literary Ink Convention, which is a tattoo convention. We're going to party our asses off with a bunch of tattoo artists. (laughs) (laughs) At least that's my goal. (laughs) And she always meets her goals. (laughs) We'll be doing Q&A sessions on Friday and Saturday. And on Sunday, we will be doing a live podcast. Hope to see you there. Visit literaryink.co for everything you need to know. On May 23rd, 2014, the Friday before the Memorial Day weekend, at around 9.30 p.m., a shooting near the campus of UC Santa Barbara prompted the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Department to issue an alert to everyone living in Isla Vista to stay indoors. According to the alert, two people had been detained after the shooting and no further details were immediately released. At the time, several local news outlets reported the shooting might have occurred at a deli mart in Isla Vista and that several people were shot. TV footage showed ambulances and police cars swarming the scene. Channel 3 in Santa Barbara reported that witnesses said multiple shots were fired from a car and that several people were hit. The Daily Nexus, the campus newspaper, reported that a witness saw the car hit several pedestrians. In an article published in the Los Angeles Times early the next morning, it was reported there was a series of drive-by shootings that left six people dead and 13 injured. The man believed to have carried out the attacks was 22-year-old Elliot Roger. 
At the time of the shooting spree, Elliot was a student at Santa Barbara City College. Elliot Roger was born in July 1991 in Lambeth, a district in South London, to Peter and Lee Chin Roger. Peter Roger was a British director and among his film highlights was his role as assistant director on the first Hunger Games movie. And he is a distant relative of Reese Witherspoon. Lee Chin Roger was born in Malaysia. She became a nurse who worked on movie productions in England, such as Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, as well as The Princess Bride. While working on the films, she became friends with Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, and even dated George Lucas at one point. Peter and Lee Chin also had a daughter, Georgia, who was four years younger than Elliot. Shortly after Georgia was born, and when Elliot was five, the Roger family moved to Southern California. Just a couple years later, Peter and Lee Chin got divorced. Elliot's father stayed in the family home and his mother moved to Topanga, which is an area west of Los Angeles in the Santa Monica Mountains. Elliot and his sister Georgia stayed with his mother during the week and his father on weekends. The year after their divorce, Peter remarried Samaya Akaban, a Moroccan actress, and they had a son named Jazz. Elliot struggled with social interactions his entire life. When Elliot was around seven years old, he began therapy due to what his father called social problems. Elliot desperately wanted to be popular in school. However, he never was. By the time he was nine years old, Elliot's therapist suspected that he struggled with depression and anxiety. So, Kath, I saw an interview with his father, who in hindsight was basically saying, look, he probably had autism spectrum disorder or maybe he had Asperger's, but at the time we didn't know anything. We just thought he needed therapy. Right. And it's true. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's that long ago, but the recognition and diagnosis of autism as well as therapies that are available to assist Mm -hmm. is light years from where it was 23 years ago. Totally. Now, as a teen, Elliot was highly introverted and much of his social interaction was through the video game World of Warcraft. He experienced extreme bullying and actually left two high schools due to this. At his second high school, Elliot also experienced a severe panic attack in the hallway and was one of the reasons he never returned. Now, at Elliot's third high school, which was a very small school with very few students so that it was more individualized attention, the principal told his parents that some students would invite Elliot to join them at their table during lunch. Sometimes Elliot accepted the offer, but when he did, he would sit at the lunch table with other students but never join in the conversations. He was so fearful at this point of being bullied that he was afraid of saying anything and being laughed at or rejected. In a futile attempt to be liked by the others, Elliot wore designer clothes and spent money on things he thought would impress people. But his classmates simply saw him as a meek, timid, and awkward guy. Elliot began to go off the rails when he started noticing girls and they did not notice him back. When he was in high school, he was extremely attracted to the blonde girls in his class. However, he grew to resent them when he realized they did not feel the same way about him. He then became obsessed with trying to lose his virginity, and every belief he had about himself was tied to that one quest. He believed that no one respected a man who was unable to get a woman. In an interview with Barbara Walters on 2020, his father, Peter Roger, acknowledged that he and his son had a very complicated relationship The father suggested that it was possibly because he, the father, was very good looking and Elliot was jealous of him. I thought this was interesting, Kathy. 
like you, I watched the video. I actually believe Elliot was better looking than his father. I thought Elliot was a very handsome kid, for sure. Yeah. So after Elliot graduated from high school, his father, Peter, knew that Elliot was struggling with talking to girls and frustrated that no one wanted to date him. So his father asked one of his friends, Dale Lauder, to coach Elliot and help him learn how to approach girls. Now, this guy, Dale, was a Hollywood screenwriter and director of romantic comedies, including Love Potion Number 9 and Blind Date. Which I think is kind of funny. Yeah. And what that has to do with actually coaching, I don't know. Yeah, I don't like, Maybe he was a good writer, but... It doesn't mean that he was able to impart that because it's fantasy. You just don't know. Exactly. The other thing that was interesting, Kathy, is that in that 2020 interview, Peter Roger, Elliot's father, said that to help encourage his son to lose his virginity, he suggested that he go to Las Vegas so that he could take advantage of some of the transactional opportunities that would be available for him there. How old was Elliot at this point? 18. Oh, that's bad parenting advice. Yes. (laughs) So it turns out Dale, the family friend, only met with Elliot in person for like three or four coaching sessions, but they emailed each other frequently. And in these emails, Elliot complained about how women hated him, but he could never figure out why. As part of his coaching, Dale would give Elliot homework assignments, for example. Elliot, when you're walking down the street and you see a woman compliment her hair or her sunglasses or dress, anything really, just to let her hear a compliment and then keep walking. So Dale explained that this woman would be flattered and think about it the rest of her day. And he told Elliot that approaching women like this might eventually turn into an actual conversation and that Elliot might be able to make a female friend. So a few weeks later, Dale asked Elliot if any of the strategies had worked, and Elliot said that he never tried. Why would he give a woman a compliment if she did not compliment him first? It became increasingly clear to Dale that Elliot's social problems and his incredible vanity were hampering any progress. He was not just a shy kid. Elliot Roger was deeply troubled. Elliot's awkwardness with girls and lack of romantic encounters had grown to the point that he began to loathe women. And in fact, Kath, one of the anecdotes that I read was that once Elliot was driving by a Starbucks with two blonde girls sitting outside of it, you know, kind of in the patio area, and he thought they were hot. So he smiled at them, but of course they just ignored him. So he gets pissed, whips his car around to do a U-turn, and as he drove by the girls again, he threw his hot coffee at the girls. Did that hurt? (laughs) No, but only because I was able to get the stains out. (laughs) Phew. (laughs) When he was 20, Elliot's parents encouraged him to enroll at Santa Barbara City College. You know, Kath, I thought this choice was interesting. Santa Barbara City College is a really popular city college for kids in California. And this two-year college is known to like help students with housing. And they have certain sort of apartment complexes that are really loaded with kids. So you have kind of a dorm style experience, even though the housing is not owned by the college. Elliot's parents gave him a black BMW to have at school, thinking that this could improve his social status. But at UC Santa Barbara, a lot of the kids there had money and the BMW would not have stood out among the crowd. You know what I find odd, though? These schools, UCSB, as well as Santa Barbara City College, are known for good looking kids. Yeah. I do not know why this would have been a good option for a kid who was socially awkward. The first time I went to UCSB, I was a freshman. I was like two months into college. I went there for a regatta and I felt ugly. I was blown away by how many good looking people were there. And I was an extrovert. 
I can't imagine. She still is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's like this would be a hard place to get along if you have social anxiety or if you have insecurities. I don't know. Or you have a hard time reading people or being able to right. make small talk. All you see are these like blonde beach babes like playing volleyball and you're like, oh, I can't play volleyball. I'm not blonde. I'm not a babe. <laughs> like Whatever. Right. I mean, you just feel out of it. You know, exactly. When Elliot got to Santa Barbara, he moved into an apartment on Isla Vista with two other roommates and Kath, they came together. And this is how I think the City College helped them. They filled out a form and were trying to match kids who had similar personalities. One of Elliot's new roommates was a guy named Chris Rugg, and he occasionally invited Elliot to hang out together, like going to the gym, grabbing dinner, heading for some parties, and they got to know each other a little bit. But Elliot would refer to Chris as a nerd who was simply pleasant to live with and started saying no to Chris's invitations. Now, Chris ultimately decided to move out as he was growing increasingly uncomfortable with how Elliot was acting. He frequently heard Elliot talking on the phone and the calls were getting increasingly aggressive. Elliot complained to whomever he was talking to. And Kath, my assumption is it was one of his parents. I'm assuming too. Specifically, it was probably his dad. Yeah, exactly. That nobody wanted to hang out with him and how he was struggling socially. Then their third roommate told Chris that he believed Elliot had a gun. I don't have a name for this kid. Never saw it in anything that I read. Neither did I. Okay. Chris never saw the gun himself, but the third roommate insisted on what he had seen. He told Chris he would hear the click of the gun over and over, and the way Elliot's room was set up, you could see the silhouette of everything that was going on. Now, the third roommate, he was correct. Between December of 2012 and March of 2013, Elliot spent nearly $2,500 buying three handguns and ammunition. Elliot kept a journal, and he wrote in this journal that after he bought the guns, he brought them back to his room and felt a new sense of power. He also began going to the firing range to practice his shooting skills. In mid-July 2013, Elliot went to a party in Isla Vista. He was about to turn 22 and was desperate not to reach his birthday without having been with a woman. At the party, he had one goal in mind, and that was to lose his virginity. However, the party did not end as he had hoped. According to the incident report from the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Department, deputies spoke to Elliot in the emergency room just after midnight when his father called them to report that Elliot had been attacked. In the report, Elliot told deputies he got into a verbal altercation with four men at the house party. He said during this argument, he called one of the guys ugly and was then pushed off a 10-foot ledge. Now, we think the ledge was actually a balcony. Correct. We pulled up the house on Google Maps to see maybe where this ledge was, and the only thing that we could see was a balcony with a very rickety railing around it. Right, exactly. So Elliot gets pushed off the sledge, falls onto the sidewalk, and broke his ankle. He then limps to the front yard of the house next door where he finds a chair and sits down. That was when 10 guys from the party came and told him to get the F out. And he said they grabbed him, they dragged him toward the driveway, and they took turns kicking him and hitting him, etc. Elliot told the deputy that he was able to punch one of the guys before the attack was over. The officer asked Elliot if he had been drinking, and he responded yes. And Kathy, how many beers do you think he told the cops he had? Two beers. It has to be. (laughs) The the standard answer, I've had two beers, and they were Coors Light. So he tells the deputy he has two beers, and then the deputy says, why do you think you were attacked? Elliot said, "I, I don't know why. And then the deputy asked, why didn't you call law enforcement after the assault? And Elliot said, I I just didn't know who to call. 
So in the incident report, Kat, the deputy said that Elliot did not appear to be forthcoming with his answers and would not go into a great amount of detail about what had happened to him. And there was a reason why. Elliot was not telling the truth. Elliot did go to the party to lose his virginity, but keeping in mind what his romance coach, Dale Lawner, said about how Elliot regarded women, the women he approached at the party, um, let's just say they declined his advances. After striking out numerous times, Elliot was pissed and drunk, apparently off two beers, (laughs) and decided to retaliate. Kind of like when he threw his hot coffee at the two women who shall remain nameless (laughs) at the cafe. Right. Elliot tried to get back at the women who rejected him by trying to push two of them off this 10 foot ledge that he had talked about. A guy who was nearby caught the first girl Elliot tried to push over, so she never went off the ledge. A second girl who was right near them saw what had happened. Super smart, Kath. She dropped down, curled into a fetal position. So you really can't push somebody like that. She can't fall forward. Oh, my God. Good for her. Absolutely. That was smart thinking. It absolutely was. So after his first two attempts failed, Elliot tried to push any woman near him off the ledge. Several of the guys who were standing nearby, of course, started to intervene and go after Elliot. So to get away, Elliot jumped off the ledge and broke his ankle when he hit the sidewalk. Elliot tried to go back into the house because he had forgotten some designer sunglasses. And when he did so, he was physically confronted by some of the guys there and thrown out. Elliot stumbled away from the party on his way home, getting more bitter with each step as he realized that not one girl offered to help him as he stumbled home, beaten and bloody with a broken ankle. So Elliot's father drove up from Los Angeles and picked him up from the apartment and took him to the emergency room to get his broken ankle treated. In the car, Elliot lied to his dad about how he was bullied and beaten up by this group of guys, probably Kath never thinking in a million years that his dad's going to call the sheriffs. But couldn't you see the dad being so angry? Oh, absolutely. That's exactly what he should have done. Right. However, the case was very quickly dismissed after several witnesses came forward and revealed that it was Elliot who instigated the entire thing. The Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Department had another run-in with Elliot about six months later about a minor dispute. Elliot now lived with two new roommates, James Hong and David Wang. In 2014, sheriff's deputies were called to the apartment when Elliot accused one of his roommates, James Hong, of stealing $22 worth of candles. Yes, candles. Yes, $22. Elliot became annoyed with James when James was cooking and Elliot didn't want him to cook, so Elliot grabbed a measuring cup he was using. James retaliates by grabbing the closest thing to him that belonged to Elliot, three candles. He expected they would make a trade and the drama would be over, but instead, Elliot calls 911, has a deputy come out, and makes a citizen's arrest. As one would do. So I'm sure the deputy was like, I don't want to make paper on this thing. You know, Imagine like the paperwork for that. <laughs> yeah, no. And so anyway, so what happens is he tells the guys like, OK, the fight's over. Exchange your goods. Tradesy backsy. Exactly. And so Elliot gives back the measuring cup. But James is like, no, he's so angry. You're not getting the candles. <laughs> <laughs> so Good James. Yeah. So Elliot's like, OK, I'm putting him under citizen's arrest. And so the deputy did. The deputy handcuffs James and books him on suspicion of petty theft. I bet that deputy was just pissed. Oh, I bet he was just like, come on, James, cough up the candles. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. 
So now James and David, Elliot's roommates, don't want to escalate further tensions with their unstable roommate. So they keep their distance and they make plans to move out at the end of the semester. So recently, what we're about to talk about has become a more widespread and better known thing. But in 2014, it was still an intensely closed online subculture. Elliot's inability to find a girlfriend and his desperate need to lose his virginity led him to this online subculture. He believed he finally found a community that understood what he was going through. And it had a name, involuntary celibate or incel. It's loosely defined as a heterosexual man who blames women and society for his lack of romantic success. So Elliot became an active member of the online site PUA Hate. Now, PUA stands for pickup artist, and we're not sure if it's called PUA Hate or PUA Hate. But we're calling it PUA because PUA sounds just too pooey. (laughs) (laughs) We don't like it. So this pickup artist movement was a thing back in 2014. And basically it was self-described dating coaches who claimed that they would be able to teach other men the art of seduction and sexual success with women. Now, this PUA hate site was actually started to expose the pickup artists and the focus was on mocking and trolling PUA. The posts on this online site were from supposed insiders of the PUA industry, and they were using the site to expose fraudulent business practices of some of the best known PUA sites online. I like how you're referring to these people, these pickup artists, as though they're legitimate, like the best known (laughs) business practices. It's like, wait, you're a pickup artist. That's a fake thing. (laughs) But in 2014, some of these people didn't understand that. Right, right. (laughs) Now, due to the anti-PUA focus and the debunking of some of the claims the PUAs made regarding how successful they were with women, understandably, the forum soon attracted men like Elliot, who were sexually frustrated and for whom conventional dating advice was not working. Many of these men self-identified as incels. Elliot originally seemed to find there was a like-mindedness between him and the other men on the site, seeing it as a forum full of men who were starved for sex, just like him. Elliot posted things like, Men shouldn't have to look and act like big animalistic beasts to get women. The fact that women still prioritize brute strength just shows that their minds haven't fully evolved. Charming. Yes. He also wrote, Women are not drawn to indicators of evolutionary fitness. If they were, they'd be all over me. And this was another one. Never insult the style of Elliot Roger. I'm the most stylish person in the world. Just look at my profile pic. That's just one of my fabulous outfits. The sweater I'm wearing in the picture is $500 from Neiman Marcus. I'm sure all the guys were interested in how much the sweater cost. Right, exactly. <laughs> Elliot often posted on these incel websites where he would envision a world where women feared him. He was reported to have harassed women at the college and online. Based on his writings, his ideal world was one in which women were kept in concentration camps and were only used for purposes of artificial insemination. Now, Kath, I know we're quoting here from the things we read. However, We do not know if this was actually his ideal world or if this was just some sort of commiseration or sick fantasy or whatever. I 
absolutely agree. And it's something that I think we face more now than they... Kath, why are so many dogs now suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, said she's seeing more issues with joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health, their food. What she discovered is actually the way many dog foods are made can create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many of the premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw a huge transformation in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. And Kath, as you know, we have a schnauzer named Ollie. And even though my husband insists he is not, he is overly flatulent. (laughs) (laughs) After I started giving him this food, I swear there was a reduction in his smell. I love that. And I'll come (laughs) over to your house now. Exactly. Well, and you know, we have a Vishla we call Orange, and she's a senior dog. And over the last couple of weeks, she has actually had more energy to be running around the backyard with the younger dog, the Doberman we call Brown. Or crazy. A little bit. <laughs> so if you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com slash killer D and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D dot com slash killer D. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Did them, but when you write a text to somebody, you can't tell what their tone is. Right. You can't tell what their intention is, how they wanted it to be conveyed. I do think a lot of this falls under that. It's easy to look at it and say it's hate speech, especially as rather strong women. We could certainly go after him for some of these statements, but we don't know where he was in this. No, we don't. And we do have to remember and not justifying any of this, but we do have to remember this was a kid who had issues that were not being dealt with. For sure. On April 30th of 2014, Elliot's mother, Lee Chin, had not heard from him in a couple of days and was worried that something might have happened to him. She began checking online to see if there had been any reports of something that happened in the Santa Barbara area. So she'd probably typed in Elliot Roger, an accident. What she found instead were videos Elliot had uploaded to YouTube. And what she saw was greatly disturbing. We're not going to go into the content of most of these, but basically in the videos, Elliot described himself as the ultimate gentleman and questioned why girls hated him. He said, I am so magnificent. I deserve girls much more than all those slobs I see in my college who are somehow able to walk around with beautiful girls. Elliot filmed this as he was sitting in his BMW and also complained about how he was 22 years old and had never held a girl's hand and had never been kissed. 
While none of these videos contained any sort of threat, their bizarre nature worried Lee Chin. This wasn't a way Elliot talked in front of his parents, and so she'd never seen this side of him before. Knowing Elliot would never consent to undergo a mental health assessment, she called Elliot's life coach, who we actually believe is the person Elliot's father referred to as a therapist. Based on the conversation with Lee Chin, the life coach called the Santa Barbara District Mental Health Hotline. Then in turn, the hotline alerted the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Department, and they sent six deputies over to Elliot's apartment for a welfare check. But the deputies did not watch Elliot's YouTube videos before they went, nor did they do a check to see if Elliot owned any guns. Kath and I were arguing about this a little bit as we were putting this podcast together. And one of the things that was pointed out is we don't know what the mental health department told the deputies. This was Kathy's argument, which I agree with. It was from Lee Chin to the life coach, to the mental health department, to the sheriffs. It was telephone, telephone, and Lee Chin could have been very specific and concerned, and then that may have gotten watered down. We just have no idea what these deputies were told. But obviously, the fact that six were dispatched, they were taking the welfare check seriously. Right. We don't know what information they had. Or what they thought they were going to encounter. Right. When the deputies knocked on the door, what they found was a young man who was very polite, very shy, and very well-spoken. And Elliot was able to convince the deputies that he was not a threat to himself or to others. I'm sure they walked away going, oh, high maintenance mom. Exactly. You know, son doesn't call her for three days and she's freaking out. For no reason know. at all. Right. Now, it was after this visit, though, that Elliot wrote in his journal that he had the devastating fear that the sheriffs had been dispatched to his apartment because someone had discovered what he was planning to do and reported him for it. So as a result, after this encounter with the police, Elliot archived his YouTube videos for a short time. So what we find out is that one year prior, back in 2013, when Elliot was healing from his broken ankle, he began writing what became a 137-page personal manifesto entitled My Twisted World. It started with the sentence... This is the story of how I, Elliot Roger, came to be. It is a story of war against cruel injustice. This tragedy did not have to happen. In the manifesto, Elliot bragged about his family's prestige as he believed their connections with Hollywood made them superior. Elliot's manifesto also described his extremely misogynistic beliefs and included plans for how he would exact his revenge against women who wronged him. His targets included the people he hated for rejecting him, popular men, beautiful women, and people who partied hard. That last one surprised me. I know. Actually, it did me too, but it makes sense. It fits, you know. Elliot called his plan his day of retribution. In the first phase, he detailed how he planned to lure people to his Isla Vista apartment that was going to be used as a torture and killing chamber. And you know what, Kath, I also read that in this manifesto, he acknowledged for that part to work to bring these people back. Right. He would first have to kill his two roommates. So he detailed how he planned on torturing good looking victims because those were likely the people with the best sex lives. And he thought they deserved punishment proportionate to all the pleasure they had experienced. The second phase of Elliot's plan was his war on women. And he wrote, I will punish all females for the crime of depriving me of sex. They have starved me of sex for my entire youth and gave that pleasure to other men. In doing so, they took many years of my life away. 
the final phase of the Day of Retribution would consist of Elliot driving to his father's house in Los Angeles and killing his nine-year-old brother. This is the brother from Peter Rogers' second marriage. He wanted to deny him the chance to surpass any accomplishments Elliot may have. Then Elliot planned to kill his stepmother simply because he felt she would be in the way. However, the plan included Elliot delaying this final phase if his father was home because he didn't want to have to kill him. After killing his stepmother and stepbrother, Elliot planned to swap his BMW for a Mercedes SUV because it would cause more damage than his BMW. In his plan, he wrote that he would shoot and splatter as many people as possible and then dump the heads of his victims on Del Playa Street, this is one of the major streets in Isla Vista, to show everyone what a powerful god he was. He then planned to go to a house party and kill all good-looking people and couples. The final step in Elliot's plan was to wait until someone called the police so he could race off as they drove to the house and have him chase them. Then, as he was being chased, he was going to look for a suitable place to end his life so he could die in a blaze of glory. This became Elliot's sole purpose in life. In the final section of his manifesto, Elliot wrote, I am the true victim in all of this. I am the good guy. On May 23, 2014, Elliot began his massacre by killing his two roommates, James Hong and David Wang, along with George Chen, a friend of theirs who had come over for a visit. Elliot ambushed each of them separately as they entered the apartment, stabbing them to death and leaving them in various rooms. I know Kath's roommates were left in their bedrooms, and I believe that George was left on the bathroom floor. David was stabbed 15 times, James 25 times, and George was stabbed 94 times. Around 7.30 p.m. that night, after killing the three young men, Elliot went to Starbucks for a triple vanilla latte before returning to his apartment. A couple hours later, he emailed his manifesto to his parents, his therapist, and 20 other people, and then uploaded a YouTube video entitled Elliot Rogers Retribution. In the video, sitting in his car with the sun glowing brightly outside, Elliot began by saying, well, this is my last video. It all has come to this, the day in which I will have my revenge against humanity, against all of you. Then he goes on to say, I hate all of you. I can't wait to give you exactly what you deserve, utter annihilation. So, Kath, what's interesting about that is Elliot's mother and father, who remember a divorce, they have two separate households. Right. Both of them saw this email almost immediately. So they call each other and then get into their separate cars. Elliot's father and stepmother in one car and, of course, his mom in another. And they start hauling ass up to Santa Barbara, which was about 100 miles away from where they lived. Right. As they were driving to Santa Barbara, Elliot's father heard on the radio that there was a mass shooting at UC Santa Barbara. Sadly, his dad's first thought was, this is Elliot. Right. So he called the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Department, and somehow he was put in touch directly with the sheriff. The sheriff's talking to Elliot's dad. He then also calls Elliot's mom and wouldn't really give any information, just was kind of letting them know what was going on. They were listening to the radio as they were going up as well, and Elliot's dad heard one of the radio stations saying it was a black BMW, which of course he knew Elliot drove, but that there were two shooters in the car. So right away, Elliot's dad felt much better because he knew... My son has no friends. Exactly. 
So before they could get to the crime scene, because of course, I'm sure it was just mass chaos, the sheriff himself directed them to a parking lot at a nearby Home Depot and told them to wait there for the sheriff's department to contact them once they had this thing under control. Unbeknownst to Elliot's parents, they were already too late. What a nightmare. I can't imagine the fear in that flight to Isla Vista. That would be the longest because that that was two hours. 100 miles. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in Elliot's YouTube video, he specified that he planned to specifically target members of the Alpha Phi sorority, which he considered to have the prettiest girls. So, Kath, he went up to the front door of the sorority house and knocked on the door. Rachel Glykes, who lived in the house, heard pounding on the door for several minutes, decided not to answer it. Thank God. The pounding stopped, and immediately after, Rachel heard six to seven gunshots. Then she heard a female scream, followed by three additional gunshots. Now, the sorority's house mother heard the gunshots and gathered all the girls who were in the house into a room in the back of the house to hide. What had happened is after the door wasn't open for him at the Alpha Phi house, Elliot walked back to his car and tragically, three young women just happened to be walking past the sorority house at the same time. As Elliot walked past them, he shot all three. Veronica Weiss and Catherine Cooper were killed and their friend, Bianca DeCock, was gravely injured but thankfully survived. So this occurred a little before 9.30 p.m. And the 911 calls in response to these gunshots were the first report to police that there was an active shooter in the area. After leaving the Alpha Phi house, Elliot jumped back into his car and started racing down the streets of Isla Vista, hoping to shoot as many people as he could. He actually shot at a coffee shop as he drove by. Thankfully, the coffee shop was closed. Then he was driving by the Ivy Deli Mart and there was a group of friends who'd been standing around outside just talking. The group had heard the shots and so they were running inside the store when Elliot drove up. One of the friends, Christopher Michaels Martinez, looked back at Elliot's car from the doorway to the Deli Mart and Elliot fired at him, striking him several times. Christopher bled to death on the floor of the Deli Mart before help could arrive. Elliot continued driving erratically through the streets, trying to hit pedestrians with his car. He swerved and hit a young man named Jin Fu, who was crossing the road at the intersection. Calf, although the force of the impact flipped this guy into the air and over the car, miraculously, his only injury was a bruise to his calf. That's crazy. I know. When I read this, I'm like, oh, the smart guy, he jumped. He jumped, he jumped up. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, Elliot continued to fire his gun out the car window as he was driving down the street, and he shot at sheriff's deputies who were pursuing him, prompting them to return fire. I actually saw an interview with the sheriff, Bill Brown, and we know a Bill Brown in our life, so I think it's kind of funny. We do. (laughs) The sheriff was very clear that the deputy only fired one shot back at Elliot. Now, my guess is it's because they were on a busy street with all these kids out. He didn't want his deputies to come across as like Wild West gunslingers. So deputies continue the chase and they fire a second time at the car. Elliot's car spins out of control and crashes. Witnesses who were interviewed later said they heard a single gunshot come from the car. Elliot had killed himself. In his manifesto, he wrote, I dreaded how horrible it would be to continue suffering my miserable, lonely, celibate life in such a beautiful city where everyone else experienced the pleasures of sex and love. That would be the darkest hell. And that was exactly what was in store for me. It was absolute carnage on the streets of Isla Vista. 
Elliot's attack lasted about eight minutes, where he fired 55 rounds. Inside his car, however, police found more than 500 live rounds of ammunition. They found another pistol and they found two knives. In total, Elliot killed six people, not including himself, and injured 14 others, including a sheriff's deputy. So as you can imagine, this was big news nationwide, probably worldwide. Right. So many of the people who belong to the same sort of online communities as Elliot heard about this and it attracted their attention. Some took the stance of idolizing Elliot and viewing his manifesto as something that they should aspire to. Right. Some people even made personalized t-shirts with a picture of Elliot wearing his designer sunglasses with the caption, The Supreme Gentleman. In all these videos he uploaded on YouTube, that was what he always called himself, The Supreme Gentleman. Now, a group of people used Reddit as a platform to communicate with each other about how they admired Elliot and others who had committed acts of violence against women. But even though the subreddit incel had been banned by Reddit years prior, of course, it didn't stop people from creating subreddits with a different name that everybody just knew about. The interesting thing, though, Kath, that Elliot had said was this is a culture where college is supposed to be about beautiful people, lots of parties, lots of sex. And a lot of teens would feel left out of this lifestyle and it would kind of ostracize themselves from their college community because that's not how everyone is. Well, it's not how most people are. Honestly, it's only how the people who stand out are. Your average normal college student isn't this like party hound, sex hound. This whole thing is so sad to me. This, yeah. so, this whole story is so sad because there's so many layers of complication. You have his probable autism spectrum disorder. You have the fact that he went to a college with beautiful people and did not fit in. You have the fact that he viewed himself as worthy because he had all these things. He had a BMW and fancy clothes and fancy sunglasses, which in the big scheme of things, they're meaningless. Doesn't matter. And you know what I thought was interesting about that, Kathy, is that these guys that he was sharing a room with, they were all studying engineering. Mm -hmm. And if you look at pictures of all of them, they all kind of look to be the same, right? They're not these big buff blonde guys playing beach volleyball. They're the geeks that are going to run the world. Exactly. Let's look at Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos. These weren't guys who were scoring babes all through high school and college. These are the guys that put their nose in a book, learn their stuff and again, wind, wind up ruling the world. Exactly. You know, but the thing is, is that all of these guys were like him. They were nerds like he was, but he never saw himself that way. And that's why he derided them and refused to hang out with them because he was not them. They were less than in his mind and never knew himself well enough to understand he was one of them and would have found a community had he been able to do so. Yeah. Like put your nerd jacket on and show it off. Exactly. You know what I mean? What Elliot did was reprehensible. Yeah. Because as you know, as our listeners know, the damage that crime does, it reverberates for your next generation. It's not just one person who goes away. It is heartbreak and tragedy. Then you're the girl who grew up with the uncle that Elliot killed. And then you're the person who's like, oh, that was my grandfather who whatever. It becomes a generational tale. Let's put it that way. And just the heartache and the sickness and all that kind of stuff. It's very real and palpable for crime victims. But at the same time, I felt so sorry for this kid. He was suffering and he wasn't getting the help he needed. But he also didn't know how to ask for the help he needed. Correct. And I'm sure like I am going to give his parents full benefit of the doubt. Obviously, they had a therapist for him or a life coach, whichever parent you 
listen to. But they were trying to help him be social and overcome his social anxiety. And and honestly, you can't even fault them for the fact that they are looking at society as a culture where you need to have things because that's how they were raising him. That's why he thought the car that's was That's how impressive. they were raising him. Exactly. Right, because that's what they knew. And they didn't do that maliciously. Right. No, no, it's, I am sure. Wrong, yeah, but, but, but yeah, but I mean, they, they were probably like, you're special because of these things. Right. You know? Or because we're part of Hollywood or what have you, even though they were basically yeah. on the fringe. But it's like, I believe this in general for life, but I believe especially if you have kids who have emotional needs and there are people in my world, as you know, who have ASD, they're mm-hmm. on the spectrum and you have to teach them that there's something bigger than yourself. Right. You have to teach them that even though this world may crap on you sometimes and there's going to be somebody that you're really attracted to who does not reciprocate, that's okay. There's a reward waiting for you in heaven or whatever. Like you have a bigger responsibility in the world to be a good person, a just person, a kind person, a moral person. There is something bigger and better that they're supposed to aspire to. So anyway, so Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Department conducted a nine-month investigation into what happened to cause Elliot Rogers' rampage in May of 2014. Obviously, they discovered all the things we talked about, all the posts he had made, and how lonely he was and how troubled he was. The report noted that Elliot saw counselors and actually received medication, and there was no history of aggression while he was growing up. It also said that although he had three interactions with sheriff's deputies in the two years prior to his killing spree, deputies had no reason to put him on a mental health hold or conduct further investigation. He didn't appear to be a danger to himself or others. The report also cataloged his rampage in graphic detail, which we won't go into. But, Kat, there was one interesting item in there. Deputies found that Elliot's bed and pillows had slashes and stabs in them as if he was practicing how he was going to stab his roommates. Now, as we've said, the report also listed that the shooting rampage left six people dead and 14 others wounded. Authorities said he hit seven people with his car and shot at pedestrians as he drove through town. Now, Kath, at one point, he actually stopped next to a woman who was walking down the street and he said out of his window, hey, what's up? She turned and answered like, hey, how's it going? He smiled, showed her his gun and fired at her. He did not hit her, though. She said she felt the bullet whiz by her face and turned and ran and thankfully was physically unscathed by that encounter. About three hours after the shooting ended, deputies were finally able to go through Elliot's apartment. They found his laptop on his bed, which was open and turned on, showing that he uploaded a YouTube video a couple of hours prior. On the bed was also his manifesto, and next to it, authorities found his journal. The final journal entry was made on the day of the shooting. It said, I had to tear some pages out because I feared my intentions would be discovered. I taped them back together as fast as I could. This is it. In one hour, I will have my revenge on this cruel world. And then in caps, it said, I hate you all. Die. We wanted to talk a little bit about the victims who were young adults and, of course, had their whole lives ahead of them. And we're going to be talking about them in the order that they were killed. James Hong was 20 years old and was studying computer programming. He was from Taipei and graduated from high school in San Jose. He was described by friends as kind, generous, and giving, always willing to help out. 
David Wang was also 20 years old. He too was studying computer programming, and he was looking very forward to his big plans that summer when he was going to go to Yellowstone National Park to celebrate his 21st birthday. George Chen was 19 years old. He volunteered with a Buddhist-based organization called Su Chi. He was very helpful and giving to others and would frequently assist his elderly neighbors with getting their mail and taking out their trash. Veronica Weiss was 19 years old. She was known as a sweet and friendly girl and a member of the Delta 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 sorority. In high school, she was part of the water polo, cross country, and swim teams and earned straight A's. Katie Cooper was 22 years old and was weeks away from graduating from UC Santa Barbara. She was also a member of the Delta 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 sorority, and people described her as being smart and kind. She was studying art history and archaeology. Christopher Michaels Martinez was 20 years old and was studying English. He planned to graduate from college in three years with a high GPA before attending law school. Chris was also an only child, and his father said his death left his family lost and broken. Thank you for listening. Come see us in Chattanooga. Follow us on our social media. We'll have a TikTok out soon. We also received a five-star review, which we're happy to share. It says, ladies, you are awesome. I love the way you tell these people's stories, but I also love the lightheartedness that you find in between and the joyfulness that you have. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. With each other. It is so contagious. My favorite podcast, hands down. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're our favorite. (laughs) Whoever sends it last, you're our favorite. (laughs) Exactly. And we also got a nice five-star review from Sipping with Snapped which is a mother-daughter true crime podcast team who are really enjoyable. Mary and Kylie, thank you so much. We love you guys. We love listening to you. Appreciate the review.